It's a little surreal to look at yourself there in, in the same shirt. It's not the same undershirt. Oh, man. Getting off to a rough start. Listen, I want to um, officially recognize that this is Memorial Day. And if you have served or are serving in our armed forces, would you please stand and remain standing while we show appreciation? I think it's appropriate that we pause in prayer and also uh, thank um, the Lord for those who made the ultimate sacrifice, which is really uh, the reason behind Memorial Day, of course. So would you pray with me? Lord, we just recognize you in this moment, and we thank you, Lord, for those who have served. We thank you, Lord, for those men and women who've stood with us uh, today, and we've been able to honor them and recognize their contribution to our well-being. But Lord, we know that there are people, there are men and women who gave their lives in service to their country. And we thank you, Lord, for them. We thank you, Lord, for their sacrifice. Lord, uh, this was a true act of love on their part. And for those, Lord, veterans that are here with us today and those in the first service, Lord, and those with us online, I, I have no doubt that they know Lord, and have friends that have served and are no longer with us, and that on this day they probably think of them, and they probably recognize them in their hearts, and maybe even in their prayers to you, Lord, and they would say, Lord, that um, their sacrifice was amazing, and so we too stand and say, Lord, we thank you, we recognize what they've done for us, and most importantly, we recognize what you, what you personally have done for us, Jesus, And we thank you for the moment that we get to gather here this morning. We thank you for our country. We thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign and that you are still in charge of America. And we thank you, Lord, for the future because we trust you with it. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to continue on with uh, two-thirds is not enough. This is... uh, a message about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So if you would turn in your scripture to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to continue on with that emphasis. And as we talk about the spiritual gifts, I think it's important to, you know, realize that, you know, if we don't talk about certain things, then we, we won't necessarily see them alive and active in our life. And we want and we need the gifts of the Spirit to be alive and active in our life like we've never needed them before. So we need to visit with some scripture that improves our understanding and provides some motivation for us to embrace God's grace. At the core, though, let me just throw this out there on the table. These are gifts. These are spiritual gifts. These are not spiritual purchases, right? Uh, We're not saving up enough good works so that we can earn the next spiritual item or the next spiritual tool. These are gifts. Now, I don't know if... uh, most of you, you gentlemen are like me, but uh, I, want a, I want every tool I see, right? You, you take me to Home Depot, you take me to Lowe's, uh, I, I, see, I see them all. I don't even know what they do, yet I want them, right? I would fill my garage, my tool shed with tools and, and probably never, ever use them. I love tools. I mean, how many of you guys would just, you know, say, I, I love tools? Okay, I see Veronica, you know, pointing at Benny, thank you. You know, it is, it's a thing, right? 
But you have to know how to use the tools. I, I remember when I was laying floors with a friend, um, he, had a, he had a big you know, truck and he had a, a, you know, he had a, a, a big tool chest and he was out there using the chop saw one day and he yelled at me, he said, hey, Anthony, I need you to go get the board stretcher. The board stretcher. How many of you guys know what a board stretcher is? It's when you cut a you know, board too short. You can stretch the board with the special tool. You can pick up. It's not true. There's no such tool. So if a guy tells you to go get the board stretcher, you know he's, he's not even telling the truth. You know, he's not even telling the truth. He's got, you, he's got you. But what I'm advocating for and what Pastor Steve is really encouraging is that we fully embrace the person, our God, the Holy Spirit. And can I, can I just mention this? How many of you enjoyed last week's message? Just raise your hand. Last week was awesome. We watched online. We were away with our family. And man, it just touched my heart. I could feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I was just moved. I just loved that service. I wish I would have been here in person. But I just want to emphasize that these are spiritual gifts. These aren't spiritual purchases. And we'll use perhaps the word charismatic sometimes to describe, you know, our theology a little bit. You've heard that word used here every so often. And and, and though in real life, you know, not just inside this nice bubble, but we'll use that word sometimes when we're speaking of somebody. We'll say she or he is, is a very charismatic individual. And what we mean by that is that they're a very gifted individual, And I think that happens to line up very closely with how the Bible describes it. And if we're willing to admit that every good gift has come from God, then I might even say, hey, listen, uh, you're charismatic because you've been gifted by God. Would you, would you agree? I'm, I'm sneaking you into this. Where I'm getting you to admit that you're charismatics, right? Because you've been gifted by God. I'm just playing, playing a joke on you. But what I would say is that if I were to push further on that thought, to say that in the future, near and distant, as the world changes around us, we need to lean into our charisma. Uh, I believe that your church needs you to lean into your charisma, and the world who knows nothing about the saving grace and power of Jesus Christ needs you to lean into your charisma, for this is how you were built. This is how you were created. This is how you were birthed. God started you out with great gifts that he would like to use and access in your life, not of your doing, but by God's grace, he gave you those gifts. So since those gifts And what we would also call spiritual gifts come from God. We should consider what God says about them. So we go back to the scripture about what he says about gifts. If you look with me at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, we, we can see how important this scripture is. The scripture says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man or that the woman of God might be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God wants you complete, and he wants you equipped. That's what God really wants. And as we move forward today, you'll see that God really does want to equip you. He really does want to equip me. But what I don't want to do and what I don't want you to do is shy away from his great plan to complete work on the inside of you. And I have over the years, the last couple decades, I have found it very hard to watch Great workers for God remain incomplete in God. God wants to finish 
certain things that he has started on the inside of you. He wants to finish certain things that he has started on the inside of me that don't necessarily really have much to do with anybody else. But he has work that he wants to finish on the inside of me. He has work he wants to finish on the inside of you. See, God does want to work through you. Absolutely. That's what the majority of this message is all about. This is the majority of the truth that we'll be visiting with today. But I don't want you to genesis, and I don't want you to give up on the fact that God wants to work in you. He just doesn't want to work through you, but God wants to work in you. He wants you complete. You should write that down. For some of us, there's this twinge of emotion because we know on the inside of us that we're incomplete. But I think that's good because I think pain is a good indicator. I think we can look at that if we're being honest with ourselves and trace that down to the root and allow the Holy Spirit to start working with us and working on us so that he can complete something on the inside that nobody else can see. But then for some of us, there is what I would call denial. We are incomplete, but we won't admit it. And having tried to live that way, I can tell you it is miserable. For God to work through you and never complete work in you is a recipe for a performance-based relationship with him. And he doesn't want that. And you shouldn't want that. You can look good and then do good, but be far from God. That's what we're trying to avoid. So if you look at the scripture, Matthew chapter 7, you can see many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so here's the thought. The Lord wants to complete work in you one project at a time. And you know he's got his finger on something he's trying to do on the inside of you. I can feel him right now working on the inside of me. I have this project, Anthony, I want to complete with you. I have this thing I need to overcome with you. This is what I'm pulling you through or dragging you over. But there's something he wants to do on the inside of you, and that's the Holy Spirit at work making completed projects. It's the truth. This is how God works. And I don't want you to linger in this zone of, I just work for God. I want you to receive the work he wants to do on the inside of you. I want him to do that work on the inside of me. And so I hope that's what you want. And I hope that that's what you see here. And I'm going to hit you with some definitions just to be real quick with you so that we can kind of wrap our head around what the scripture is communicating about these gifts. And once I started looking for descriptions and definitions, I started seeing them everywhere. They're all over the place. So I've cobbled some together and, you know, they're, they're probably incomplete. And, and you might, you know, read a definition or you might have this thought, hey, I don't 100% agree with Anthony on this, and that's okay. Uh, I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to, you know, develop your own theology, if you will. And so some of this is just a, a taste testing. This is, this is you getting your appetite wet for the gifts of God, perhaps, where you sit back and say, I've never thought about it that way, but I'm going to start thinking about it this way. And then God will challenge you to think about it a different way. And as you wrestle with the scripture, and as you wrestle with the Holy Spirit, he's going to start to make things more clear for you and more clear for me as time goes on. But what I want you to understand is that this is brief, and this is a wedding of your appetite for the gifts that God has available for you through the Holy Spirit. And so this word charisma, why would that be an important word? Well, I believe uh, the word charisma or charismatic is an important word for the true follower of Christ. It's because it's a good word. Charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma. 
Charis means grace, and ma means mom. Just kidding. Ma means gift. And so basically, charisma means graced gift. And yet somehow, we've gotten that great word wrapped around the axle. We don't want to be confused with it. We might not even want to be defined by it. But charisma is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer to exercise a gift for the building up of others. I think this is a good, a good definition. Another definition might be charisma is the instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others or for the building up of others. God will use you in a supernatural way to build other people up. In, in a roundabout way, I'm trying to combat some maybe bad teaching or some bad connotations and some you know, misunderstandings around the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He has given you gifts graciously. But if you will, turn with you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 1. The scripture says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren or sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. And we just have to admit right here that, you know, a lot of believers, including myself, have been ignorant about the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, you know, I don't want you to be stupid. That's not what he's saying. Being ignorant is different. We have the capacity to understand. We have the capacity to absorb information and develop a relationship we're, we're, we're hearing here from Paul that he just doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be untaught or unschooled or untrained. But as we spend time with the Scripture and as we spend time with the Holy Spirit himself who teaches us all things, we will not be ignorant. In fact, we'll be educated, we'll be familiar, we'll be intimate with the Holy Spirit. So he says, spiritual gifts. That's the phrase, right? This word spiritual in Greek, that's, that Greek word is... Uh, Pneumaticos. Pneumaticos means empowered by breath or wind. I mean, you've heard some tools. They're pneumatic tools. They're powered by an air compressor, right? So we know that. You know, you have power drills uh, or you have a pneumatic chisel. You know, an air compressor runs that chisel. But if you were to reread 1 Corinthians chapter 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, you could read it this way. Now concerning gifts that you can only move in if you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in you. Or you could read it now concerning gifts that are empowered by the breath of God. That's the idea being communicated here. That's what's at the very root of this verse. And that's what he's saying. Those are spiritual gifts only available if you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe through you. The words now concerning, I I find interesting because uh, that phrase shows up six times in this book of 1 Corinthians. The reason that it's there is because Paul wrote a letter earlier to the Corinthian church before 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is actually the second letter that Paul wrote. We don't know what happened to the first letter. I assume God was like, hey, uh, you're doing a pretty good job there, Paul, you know, but uh, that, that letter's not going to make the Bible. That's not going to make the cut, you know. And Paul would go, oh, okay, okay. So the second letter made the cut. It kind of reminds me of some of the messages I've preached where later on God says, well, you're doing okay, son. But no one needs to hear that twice. So he writes this letter, and and then they write back. You can see references to it in chapter 5 and chapter 7. So when it says now concerning, he's answering a question that they have, maybe a question that we have. 
So he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be, you know, under, you know, a misunderstanding. I don't want you to be uneducated. So he says, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about those gifts here in this chapter. There, there are other gifts talked about in Scripture. There's about four categories of gifts listed in Scripture. They're not in your notes here, but there are the motivational gifts. You can read about those in Romans chapter 12. Uh, there are the manifestational gifts that we're going to talk about today in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are the ministry gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And then there are the ministerial gifts gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 that are really gifts of Jesus. You have the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But we're going to talk about the manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, And there are nine manifestational gifts listed here in the scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Now I just want to give you a quick rhetorical question. Are you part of that? language? I think you are. I think this is inclusive language. When he says each, he's talking about each of you. He's talking about all of us. How many of you are in each? Raise your hand. How many of you have an itch? Never mind. All nine of these gifts are for you. All nine of these gifts are for me. Look at the scripture. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. Uh, to another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each, which includes you, which includes everybody, that's inclusive language, to each one individually as he wills. So let me just explain. You don't have just one of these gifts. You don't, you know, have just one gift. I don't walk around saying, well, I've, I've got the, this gift. I've got the gift of discernment. I've got this gift. You have the Holy Spirit is who you have. And the Holy Spirit is the one who has all of these gifts. And he distributes them to each one for the profit of all. So you can minister in the gift of the word of knowledge at any time the Holy Spirit allows you to do that. Does that make sense? So it's the Holy Spirit who imparts that word of knowledge to you. He makes it known through each one, everyone, as he wills for the profit of everyone. What I've done and what several other theologians have done along the way uh, is that they take these nine gifts and they split them up into three categories. And I think that works out well because, you know, every sermon has to have three points and a poem. Anybody have a poem? You know, it'll help the message. The first category of these first three gifts is the discerning gifts. I'll go through each one of them. Uh, You've got them in your notes, so it's not that confusing. But the discerning gifts, let's look at that, is the word of knowledge. To know something specific without knowing it by natural means. So the word of knowledge is to know something specific without knowing it by natural means. Jesus moved in this gift because he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when he was talking to the woman at the well, he says, go call your husband. She says, you know, I, I, I'm not married. And he says, right, you know, you're just living with a man right now. and You've had five husbands before you. Uh, that was a word of knowledge. And by the way, if that sounds judgmental of Jesus and you're unfamiliar with that little piece of history, he ministers to her in power, compassion, and love. But the point being is that he understood this through a word of knowledge. He understood because the Holy Spirit had empowered him. And what many people would probably say is, well, that was Jesus. He knows everything. But remember, it was Jesus who laid down his divinity and picked up his humanity when he served here, when he loved on us for those three years. Uh, When Jesus was on earth, he ministered under the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he went out into the wilderness with the power of the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Uh, He even cast out demons through the power of the Holy Spirit. This word of knowledge is available to you through the Holy Spirit. God would like to deliver specific pieces of information to people that you would know only through him. And I would guess, my educated guess is that God has already used you to do that here, to do that over there, to do that maybe, and you didn't even know it. You had something to share with somebody, and and they were receptive to what you were saying. And you didn't know how you knew what you were saying, but there was this weird little connection. That was the Holy Spirit moving through you, delivering a piece of information to them that you didn't know by natural means. And I think it's a powerful tool to see God work through your life. I think it's also interesting, if we move on to the next one, it's a word of wisdom. Under the discerning gifts, a word of wisdom, a divine answer or solution for a particular situation. So the word of wisdom is a divine answer or solution Uh, for a particular situation. In John chapter 9, there is this man uh, who gets healed by Jesus. And the Pharisees are really upset about all this. And and they're about to excommunicate this man and kick him out, right? So they're very angry with him because they couldn't, you know, directly confront Jesus in that moment. And and if you look with me at verse 30 of John chapter 9, this was the man's reply. The man answered and he said to them, why is, why? This is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. They were questioning his pedigree. Yet he has opened my eyes, explanation point. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Isn't that an amazing reply? That is an amazing response in a moment where he is under great pressure and under great threat from the Pharisees. So he has a divine answer for a particular situation. So how many of you have ever found yourself in a situation where you needed a divine answer? You needed a word of wisdom. We see here that this man had it, and I believe that God would like to bless you with a word of wisdom when the pressure is on you. I don't know. Perhaps in the future we might face persecution. We might face our fears. We might find ourselves in situations that are overwhelming. In that moment, you will need a word of wisdom. This is what the Holy Spirit would like to gift you with in those moments. That's why we become dependent upon him in so many ways. So here's the third, a discerning gift. It's the discerning of spirits to be made aware of the presence or influence of a demonic spirit. This is The third gift here, 
to be made aware of the presence or influence of a demonic spirit. This is the discerning of spirits. This happened to Paul. If you recall, Paul was working and he was ministering and he was serving and uh, he he was uh, being followed by a young fortune teller who would walk behind him saying, uh, you know, these men are servants of the most high and she would yell it and repeat it. And and Paul turned around and realized that, that the spirit that she was working with was not the Holy Spirit that he was working with and he rebuked her and he rebuked the demon out of her. In that moment, there was, of course, conflict. We would say, well, why, why would that have been a bad thing that you know, she was doing this? Though um, she was saying the right thing, but she was doing it by the means of another spirit. So when we operate with this gift of discerning of spirits, we realize that there are these divisions. And when he turned around and he cast her out, he separated the ministry of the devil from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, I I would just say this, that spirits masquerade about us. They're tricky. And many of us would probably just kind of say, you know, I would recognize a different spirit than the Holy Spirit when they show up in my life. I would make the assumption, right, that I would just know that this was a spirit of demonic, that this is a spirit influencing my life that is not the Holy Spirit. I would just automatically know, but if you need the gift of the Holy Spirit to discern spirits, then you don't naturally have the ability to do this on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to help you discern, to help you understand, to help you see where the real influences are coming from in life. This is what discerning of spirits is all about. I recall when we pastored in a small town of Haines, we had um, a... uh, a cult-type folk uh, trying to grow their church, and this church masqueraded as Christians. They were not Christians. They had similar theology, but it was not a complete theology built on Christ, and so we would probably consider them a cult. I know that I do, and I recall as they were uh, nailing the three strongest churches in our community of 1,200 people. It was my church, the Presbyterian church, the, uh, the Bible church, and, and we had a great ministerial association, and we realized that these folks were trying to evangelize our people and pull them into this cult, and their big line was, why don't you just pray about it and let the Spirit tell you what to do? Unfortunately, there were several weaker brothers, several weaker families that succumbed to this trickery, if you will. They didn't understand that it wasn't the Holy Spirit, but it was another spirit leading them out of a relationship with God based on God's great grace and love. And they were adopting a very works-based, manipulative, you know, sort of sort of environment that was not going to edify their walk at all with God. And so there's a differentiation, and they were unable to determine the Holy Spirit from the Spirit. And I would just say this, is that there are spirits coming to you all the time, attempting to trick you, attempting to woo you into things that you should never be a part of, thoughts that you should never have, thoughts that I should never have, things that we should never do. And yet we need the discerning of spirits. We need the Holy Spirit at work within us so that we can understand what's happening around us, perhaps in us, perhaps through our friends, even our family, and most definitely uh, through the devil himself. 
So I want you to look for this at, for just a moment. This is called the discerning of spirits. This is, this is not called discernment. I don't think in Scripture I can find the gift of discernment. I think we're called to be discerning. I think we're called to be wise and to be discerning believers. But many people I've met get discernment, this gift of discernment mixed up with just being critical. They could just say, well, I, I have this gift of discernment. But actually, they just kind of have a judgmental heart. And they think that their opinion is God's opinion. And they blame or they validate it on, well, listen, I've just, you know, had this gift from the Bible. Well, I'm just letting you know that this gift of discernment is not mentioned directly in Scripture. I do believe that we're called to be discerning and we're called to exercise good discernment. But this gift here is the discerning of spirits. So let me ask you this. Would it not be a good thing if the Holy Spirit showed you a demonic or evil spirit was coming against your marriage or coming against your business or coming against your church or coming against a relationship? Would it not be good for the Holy Spirit to reveal to you that there is a demonic enemy attacking a specific thing that is important to God and important to you? I think it would be. I think it would be extremely helpful. And I think this is why we depend upon the Holy Spirit to show us what's actually happening in the spiritual realm. The second category is the declarative gifts. This would be prophecy, this would be tongues, and and this would be interpretation of tongues. Let's look at prophecy. Prophecy is is a message of encouragement from God to a person that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. Prophecy is a message of encouragement from God to a person that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I believe that one who prophesies now um, in the New Testament, this is a spiritual gift, right? A prophecy that is encouragement. Many, many times you see those words attached to prophecy nowadays. Uh, and, and, And here's why I mention this. Because lots of people will claim to have the gift of prophecy, and, um, and, then, and, they'll, and they'll think that this is their opportunity to bring correction to somebody, and then they'll bring their thought or their opinion to the table, and then at the very end, they'll tag, thus says the Lord, right? How many of you have ever had that, right? This, you know, this dinner is a little dry, thus saith the Lord, right? I mean, it gets a little gets a little weird, right? So we, we have to receive the warning, really, uh, and, and understand that we shouldn't just throw that out there lightly to say, well, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord really didn't say it. How, how bad is that, that we would blame God for these criticisms, perhaps, or these things that he really never said? So we, we understand. We have to understand that this is a gift, really, of encouragement. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 31 says, For you can all prophesy, one by one, uh, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So this word means, the word all means everyone, everyone included, right? He says we can learn, we can learn to hear God's voice and we can learn to speak it in an encouraging way. And then of course the result is being encouraged. It it doesn't say corrected. I remember there was, uh, how many of you guys remember the power team that would rip phone books apart and give a, you know, Christ-centered, Benny, uh, witness. You know, they were big guys, 
big arm muscles, big leg muscles, right? Well, there was an ex-power team evangelist that came to our town in Owensboro, and, and I went to one of his services, and uh, he was into giving words of prophecy, and he brought me down front with a bunch of other guys and gals, and, you know, he's sitting there, and he's praying over me. He's praying. He's got his hand on my, on my forehead, and, and he takes it off, and he slaps a bunch of oil on it, and then he puts his hand back on my forehead, I, I'm thinking this is really, this is getting intense, right? Big dude. I mean, you know how big I am, right? And so I'm 20 years old, and, I, and he starts pushing on me. I'm like, I am not going down. I'm not falling over. I'm, this is not going to be a courtesy fall, buddy. And so he's pushing. I'm pushing back, right? And he's praying, and it, he's getting louder. And then his hand, because of the oil, slips over my head. So his hand is on the back of my head. All that oil has been, you know, wiped in my hair. I have a full-on bad hair day. I mean, I have a lot of bad hair days now that I'm losing it. But I mean, at that moment, I thought, oh boy, this is, this is wild. This is wild. And he starts to prophesy. He says, you've been given the gift of healing. You will heal many people. And I'm thinking, well, that's encouraging. That's nice. I like that. He says, in the medical field, you will become a, a great doctor. And you will be able to serve people with medicine. And, and he's going on and on. And I'm sitting there saying, well, Lord, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't have a desire to go do that. And, and I don't feel like I'm being called to go do that. And, and I chalked it up later on as I got the oil out of my hair. Don dish detergent, you know, got it out. That, yeah, he didn't get it all right, but he got a portion of it right. He was learning to prophesy. We believe the gifts are for today. I, I don't know how you could believe anything else in this time and in this space. And, and you might wonder, you know, why don't we hear people speaking in tongues and the weekend services and, and that kind of thing? I, I think there are some guardrails set up in Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, boundaries, that basically says, you know, if everybody was speaking in tongues, right, Oh, I've skipped. Um, let's go on to tongues. Forgive me. Tongues is a message of God in a language. Un- I got caught up in that story. I laugh every time I think about it. Tongues is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. So it's just simply a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. And there are guardrails mentioned in Scripture. And, and the truth of the matter is, is if everyone was speaking in tongues in church, you know, it would drive the uh, un, uninformed person or, the, or the, you know, the unbeliever away. They would think we were crazy. But the scripture, you know, puts these guardrails in place so that we, we will honor and we would value those people who are, are unfamiliar or maybe unbelievers and they come in and they can grow in Christ and we can provide for them a safe environment where they understand what's happening and then you go on to the next one is that the interpretation of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is really the understanding and the expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues and so if a message goes out in tongues then there is the interpretation, not a translation. So let me clarify, the interpretation of tongues, not the translation. And you might be wondering, well, what's the difference? There's a big difference here. Uh, It's being, um, how do you say, interpreted. It's not being translated word for word. So you might have somebody give a long message in tongues, but there might be a short interpretation. That doesn't mean it's inaccurate. It means that it's just an interpretation. Uh, 
I remember going to a church in Cleveland and, and preaching, and uh, it was in a Spanish church. The congregation was Spanish, so I would preach, and then, uh, then the, my interpreter would preach, and then uh, I would say something, and he would say something, and, and I remember going along, and I remember preaching, and, and then his interpretation of what I said was really short, and I remember asking him, did you say everything I just said? Because that was really good. He's like, yeah, I'm interpreting. I'm not translating. So it's taking the essence of what's being said and communicating that. And, and I just wanted to say this. You know, um, you look at that verse in verse 5. I wish all of you, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, the first part says, I wish all of you spoke with tongues. And really, this, this is the Bible. And you would say, well, this is Paul. And I would agree. Paul did write it, but it really is the Holy Spirit who authored it. This book, the Bible, was authored by God. It was breathed by God. And God breathed that phrase, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. And I'd like to say that no matter what your background is, at some point you're going to have to kind of wrestle with that and come to grips with what that scripture is saying at some point in your life. I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Then if we look at the rest, it goes like this. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So what he's really saying here is that um, the one who prophesied is greater unless it is interpreted. So if it's interpreted, then it's the same. And what I really believe that Paul is saying in this moment and with this message to us, to the Corinthian church, is that he is really saying, I wish all of you prophesied. I wish all of you encouraged each other. I think that's the gist of it. And I think that that is so important for us to understand that the purpose is to encourage, to edify, to build up the entire church, to build one another up. And that is the main work of prophecy. So let's revisit interpretation and translation, right? It's not word for word. Someone might give a short message for a a long verse in tongues, but it might be the opposite. And we might misunderstand it to say, well, it's it's being inaccurate. But let me give you a quick illustration. Uh, I might text my oldest son. You saw him playing bass guitar today. How was your day? And he might text back, good. I might ask one of my younger daughters, hey, how was your day when I get home? Well, I get 20 minutes of a conversation detailing every little thing out, every nook and cranny. Well, the cats did this, the dogs did that, then Trig did that, then Gunner did that, and then I arm wrestled, you know, and there's, it goes on and on and on. So there's an interpretation of the day. I, I talk to my son. It's a one-word answer. I talked to one of my little girls. It's 20 minutes worth of a conversation. So those are the declarative gifts. And then we also have the dynamic gifts. These would be the gifts of healings, faith, and miracles. Dynamic comes from the Greek word uh, found in Acts chapter 1. It says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power is dunamis. That's explosive power. God wants to do explosive things in the world today. 
These are dynamic gifts. Look at faith. Faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. I believe that God wants to give you the gift of faith, especially in this time. There will be moments when you need to have rock-solid belief that doesn't make sense to anybody or to anything else. And there will be times that you have to have absolute confidence that comes from on high. This is what we're talking about. Allow the Holy Spirit to give this gift to you when you most need it. You will not be disappointed. And would it not be good, would it not be a good thing when you are facing trials and overwhelming circumstances for you to have this gift of faith bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit? When you don't have faith, it's difficult to move forward. But when you have the Holy Spirit at work inside you, gifting you with the supernatural faith, anything becomes possible, especially that which the Lord has declared over your life. Look at gifts of healings, a supernatural transmission of divine health. Gift of healings, a supernatural transmission of divine health. I remember uh, listening to Oral Roberts preached one of his last sermons. They brought him into church um, that I was at, and, and they set him on a stool. And no matter what you might think about Oral Roberts, I know he's got kind of a mixed reputation, some good, some bad, you know. Um, but if you can set some of that to the side for just a moment and realize that he preached the healing message because he was healed, Right? That's one of the reasons he preached it so hard. When he was 17 years old, he had tuberculosis. He was brought to a meeting, and he sat on the back row. They laid him down, and and tuberculosis back then was a death sentence. He was destined to die. There was no cure for it. And so he's sitting there, and God says to him, he says, I'm going to heal you tonight, but I want you to take my message of healing to the world. I want you to build a university where young people can be trained in a Christian atmosphere. And so God healed him that night in the service. And that's why he preached healing. When you have been healed, you look at life differently. Amen? When my father-in-law was healed, it changed my perspective quite a bit. I believed in healing. I've seen healings. But it just moved it another notch forward to realize that God still wants to heal people. He still wants to touch people in this way. And I know there's a lot of negative talking and maybe we shouldn't talk about healing because it sets people's expectations up here and sometimes they're not healed. And I would just say, we've got to go back to the Bible and understand for sure that we're still supposed to talk about healing, we're still supposed to believe in healing and we're supposed to trust the scriptures that talk about healing. Here's the last one, the working of miracles. Divine intervention that alters the current circumstances. Divine intervention that alters the current circumstances. How many of you have at some point in your life experienced a miracle. Raise your hand. Now keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Now look around. Look around. These are all miracles. These are all miracles. Isn't that encouraging? Miracles. How could we think of God in any other way? He's the miracle-working God in the Old Testament. He's the miracle-working God in the New Testament. And he's the miracle-working God in our lives. This is the God we serve. The God who works miracles, and he changes things. Divine intervening in, in things that we could not change on our own. So let me just say something to you. If you've been saved, you've had a miracle. 
You've had a supernatural intervention in your own life that's altered your circumstances. So we should never be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be afraid of these great gifts that he wants to bring into our life. And we should say, Lord, I I want every gift that you have for me. And the scripture would say every gift is available for you. And if you're open to it, he will give you those gifts and you will be used in a powerful way. But here's my final plea with you, really, this morning. Don't forget to learn to truly love the giver more than the gifts. Love the giver more than the gifts. I don't want to work for God and not have him at work on the inside of me. I want to truly love the giver and enjoy the gifts. So how can you do that? Well, you can do that by recognizing, recognizing the moment that you're in, recognizing him moment by moment. When you're driving down the road, you can call out to the Holy Spirit. I recognize you, Holy Spirit, in my life. I see that you're doing something. Where is he operating in your life right now? What's he doing in this moment, in this time we're talking about him? What's he doing in your life right now? This intimacy can be there for you. You can call out to him. You can just say, I I recognize you, Holy Spirit. I want you at work in my life. I want to be close to you. If the worship team would come, you can also do this by understanding. Understanding what he's really communicating to you. I think of my wife. She's she's so smart. And sometimes I have to do a double, triple, quadruple take on what she's saying to me, right? (laughs) I don't quite understand it completely. Sometimes that's the way it is with God. And sometimes we just have to kind of put the brakes on and say, I really really want to love you by understanding what you're saying. I really want you to teach me. What's he teaching you right now? What's he trying to reveal to you right now in your life? He's called the one who teaches. He, He promised to teach you everything you need to know. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And yet, we can love the gifts and forget to love the giver. But we can love the giver by stopping and saying, I really want to understand. And then finally, we can look to him and we can love the giver more than the gifts by waiting on him. You can spend time in his presence. You can spend time talking with him. You can spend time being close to him just by waiting on him. And as we dim the lights, I would just throw this out to you as the final song starts to play. Are you willing to wait on him? Will you wait on him? Will you spend time in his presence? Loving the giver more than the gifts is paramount. I admitted this uh, in the first service, and I, and I want to admit it here now, that, that within every person's life, really, ministers, and there are certain revivals, if you will, on the inside that occurs. And of late, I know, I know the Holy Spirit is becoming more and more important to me. There's a revival of relationship with him 
And I truly want to love him more than the gifts. And there's something strange, really, that occurs over time. Is that you can become so accustomed to the gifts and wanting to be used in this way and wanting to be used in that way and depending on the gifts of the Holy Spirit to accomplish things in our lives that, hey, listen, we just couldn't do on our own, and that's great. But that intimacy, that relationship is not available. It's not available with the gifts. That relationship, that life-giving, intimate connection is available with the giver. The giver. And so in this moment, as the last song plays, I would encourage you, I would ask you to come forward. Spend time at the altar. And allow the Holy Spirit to continue to do that work on the inside of you. Continue to embrace what he's accomplishing, completing inside you. Because the work he wants to do through you, it's amazing. All hands off. It'll blow our minds. But the relationship he wants with you is even better than that. So please come.
Um, the need for additional prayer. There are, there are folks here who would love to pray for you on pastors. And I, I would just like to encourage you. I, I would encourage you to pursue that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit more now than ever. What He wants to do is supernatural. It's bigger than anything any, any human could put into words. 
And this is the moment, probably the moment we've all been waiting for. I mean, not this very second, but this moment in time. I believe you've been set apart for a great work, a work to be done through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But don't forget to love the giver more than the gifts. Lord, today uh, we recommit or commit for the first time in our hearts. We recognize our shortcomings, our incompleteness, Lord, and we say forgive us. Forgive us of our sin. We come to you and we say also we love you. And we want to love you with everything on the inside of us. For you are the great giver, the Holy Spirit, our Lord. And so we thank you, God. We thank you, Christ, for your finished work on the cross. We thank you for providing the way forward. And so, Lord, we pray a blessing over your people. Might they be full of you, overwhelmed, Lord, by you. Might the enemy tremble and shake as they walk out of here, God. May miracles occur in their life, and may they know, Lord, that you are the one stirring the faith up on the inside of them, that they've been gifted, Lord, from on high, that those gifts are from you, that they are gifts and not things that we've earned, but they're gifts and we can flow in them and be useful to you and be blessed because we are being used by you. So thank you, Lord, for your people. Bless them, I pray. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. Blessings. God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next